Welcome back to the Stora Podcast, people. We have John Hedge Hall, Deputy Hi. CEO of Parkour Earth. But I'm sure there's more to you than that. So maybe it's best giving you a chance to introduce yourself. Sure. Um, so, yeah, my name's John Hall. Everyone calls me Hedge. I started parkour in 2004. And Jeez. I became a parkour coach around 2000. 910 started teaching full time in 2014 when I found that an organization called Access Parkour. Mm. Um, we're one of the largest coaching organizations in the UK, teaching in and around Scotland. And my focus has classically been on inclusive parkour practice, teaching beginners. That's what I'm sort of the expert in. Um, and then a couple of years ago, there was a call out for some people to come and volunteer to start helping Parkour Earth. I'd been a fairly vocal critic of the direction Parkour Earth had taken at the time, and I have a philosophy of uh, what I say is called put up or shut up. I'm not allowed to critique things where I'm not willing to do the work. And my recruitment message to Parkour Earth was, you absolutely should not hire me. You should hire someone that looks different from me. Okay. And then they hired me. So yeah, that didn't work <laughs> great. Um, <laughs> uh, but I spent the last two years volunteering for Parkour Earth and trying to make changes to the organization. And I think I've been achieving that. Nice, nice. Um, I guess that leads me on to the first question. What is Parkour Earth? And it's most simple. Parkour Earth is the international governing body for parkour. What that means is it is made up of member organizations that are national governing bodies for parkour who govern parkour in different countries. Uh, parkour Earth was founded when a group of six national bodies came together and founded it. And since then, we've added many more members. I think we're going to be 12 very, very soon. There's a few who are joining right now. Okay. And what an international governing body does in most sports is it organizes everything that happens on an international scale. Competitions are a very big part of that, but also just setting the rules and regulations for how things work throughout the sport, defining the sport and representing the sport, explaining mm. the sport, um, forming partnerships for the sport. When it comes to Parkour Earth, we're sort of skeptical of that general model as being the most important part. And instead, what Parkour Earth would like to be is the node that connects the parkour community together. Okay. What we kind of mean by that is that parkour is sometimes feels a little bit lost these days, especially when it comes to the history when we've been had things like Urban Free Flow and Parkour.net and big Facebook groups and these things that have kind of connected participants together. Now we're on a world where it's much larger and doing a lot of great work and parkour is all over the place, but there still aren't platforms that make it easy for us to talk to each other. One of the things that Parkour Earth wants to do, one of the things it wants to be is a core where we can all talk about parkour. Yeah. And for that, you've, um, is the Discord the main platform for that? Or yeah. So the Discords are definitely a place where that's happened. Uh, the Discord was designed to replace the old Facebook groups, which seem to be dying. But also yeah. part of that has been us spinning up content on Instagram, which is a fascinating problem because we're trying to talk to parkour people, but we're not posting jumps. 
Mm. And also just try and figure out where parkour people are talking so that we can talk to them. One of the things about Parkour Earth, I think that makes us a bit different from other people working in the space is that we're all actually parkour practitioners involved. And because right. of that, we want to talk where parkour people are. So if that becomes, I don't know, Mastodon or Twitter, we'll go there. Right now, it's mostly Instagram, a little bit Facebook, a little yeah. bit Discord, a little bit Reddit. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm not too... Um... I haven't really dipped my toe much into the the Reddit grounds, but it seems like um, always a bit terrified. Yes, yeah, it just seems a bit backwards. Everyone that's on there, like just arguing about bygone things that are like <laughs> everyone on Instagram is is kind of moved past everyone that's like within. I don't want to say the actual community because I know like it is really broad, and maybe this is a whole different conversation. But yeah. It's a fun one to get into. I think we should get into that because I think it's something that your listeners would probably find fascinating because I think yeah. it's a slightly different perspective. I know, I know you've spoken to it before, like um, how we we do view the parkour community as the one that is very loud and uh, yeah. and it's more of a meritocracy rather than um, yeah. like who is heard is who's the loudest and who does the craziest yeah. stuff rather than, yeah, I don't know. So yeah, there's there's loads of really cool ways of thinking about it. Um, one is about people. One is the sort of the democratic way of thinking about it, which is we should be thinking about the parkour the parkour community as being made up of all the people in it, and all of them deserve to have an equal voice. But the reality of the matter is that some people are more influential than others because they have big followings, because they do big jumps, because they're very impressive, because mm. they're always touring and meeting people. There's loads of reasons and ways. We normally, in conversations like this, would call it social capital. Mm. So there's people with lots of social capital because of what they do, uh, whether or not that's they're known as an amazing coach who's really helped people's lives, or they're known as someone who does death-defying leaps. They're known as someone who uh, goes and climbs on buildings and makes amazing videos. There's loads of ways in which you can be thought of as having social capital. Yeah. And we listen to people who have more social capital. And that's <laughs> like you that's still real. We can it's not like we can disregard the way humans interact with one another. So yeah, one of the parkour communities that I think you spend a lot of time in and is probably this podcast probably speaks to is the people who post on Instagram and spend a lot of time posting on Instagram and interacting on Instagram. And that's definitely one of the big large parkour communities. Mm. But there's also um, an interconnected group of um, mostly parkour gym or parkour coaching communities that have, uh, so often those people represent thousands because they have like kids and parents and adults yeah. coming to their classes and local jams that aren't necessarily as loud i had um, and they're also part of parkour i had a uh, ramon Tegan siegenthaler uh on from parkour one and mm. i don't think many people have not only heard of him but heard of parkour one and they've had um i mean across switzerland and germany like thousands and thousands of students since 2008 when since they were established and um yeah completely unheard of. And I think I've heard you on another podcast. I think it was Sam Kopak's coach companion podcast where you, you talk about Finland as well. Like no one really considers when they think Finland, like as in, in terms of the, the Instagram parkour world, think of Valtteri from Farang. Yeah. Um, but there's actually, uh, the guys that it's run huge. up, 
the Armageddon um, yeah. events. And what's what's their uh, academy called? Or so there are there is at least one parkour gym in every city. So mm. parkour academy are the big parkour coach organization. I think they're even bigger than parkour one. Right. But um, parkour Finland. Parkour Academy are one member, and there's a whole bunch of other smaller members as well, independent gyms. But no, um, the last time I talked to them, they were saying that something like 2% of the Finnish population has access to parkour classes and or has attended parkour classes once a month or something insane. It's huge there. Mm. Oh, that's mad. They're doing, they're doing, they're doing something right. But that's the, the, the mass. I wanted to go into this on the second half of this podcast if we had time. Start now. Um, <laughs> but like, it also opens up the the massive difference between coaches who are trying to develop athletes to go forth to succeed in competition, which is, I think, going to become more of a thing. And then coaches that, like yourself, focus on inclusivity so people have something valuable and meaningful to take part in. And yeah. whether they go on to achieve greatness or acquire this social capital and be super loud on Instagram is, is not really part of it. Um, it's, it's about growing a culture and having people who can enjoy parkour for many years, or if they even fall out with parkour, then go on to, yeah. um, engaging other, engage in other meaningful practices, um, yeah. that are beneficial so, for that person. Totally agree. I think, I have probably been guilty in the past of placing a hierarchy on those two styles of coaching. So I've right. been like, well, my interest is in, um, my interest is in closer practice. I count myself, I count my value based on the number of people that engage with parkour, not the quality of athletes that I produce. Yeah, 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 yeah. But actually, I think that's a little unfair because the skills required to take people and develop them to create people who can move in a way we've never seen before mm. is a very viable skill that deserves respect. Yeah. But I think yeah, yeah, that has sure. to work both ways. So um, they are different skill sets and they're very important for the discipline moving forward. And I want to see parkour have deep, deep roots and be made up of tens, hundreds of thousands of kids getting into parkour and then adults training parkour and jams remaining a thing in every city. But I also think that there needs to be a part of the discipline that is pushing the boundaries of what's possible. Yeah, both can coexist. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah, I had a. I stopped coaching in 2020 because of the um, lockdowns and everything, and didn't really pick up classes. Uh, the gym that I was coaching at uh, just kind of dropped parkour without really saying anything when the gym opened back up and uh me and jay batrick didn't really pick up the outdoor classes either afterwards uh you know just life different things um i think also a drop in passion as well um but we had before covid we had a large amount of students and um and without the classes a lot of them just fell off and i think to this day we have one left out of hundreds who came through our doors who kept practicing and that is uh yannick um 
the uh the kid Shadow, in brighton yeah. who you may have seen in the uh at the big wall event he he did the the wall run the scary way across and then landed yeah. in the shopping trolley with the ah, leopard yeah. skin hair yeah him he's he's a, a part of pariah now as well um super proud of him and he is destined for amazing things he's already done incredible things but i consider it a massive failure of myself and my partner jay um i mean business partner just so we're clear um, <laughs> um i consider it a failure because like what did we do wrong to not create a culture where people can carry on enjoying parkour and be self-sustaining as well yeah um yeah i don't, I don't think you did anything wrong first of all um so one of the hardest things about being a coach is that it is your job to offer opportunities it is not your job to see those opportunities be met and right. um, the longer you coach the more you have to kind of keep that in heart because sometimes you're going to have great experiences where you help change, change people's lives. And sometimes you're going to have really terrible experiences where you've done everything you think correct. And for some reason, this kid hates you with every fiber in their being. <laughs> That's not your fault. Like you're not the main character in that story. Mm. But what I would say is that um, when you make parkour more inclusive and you introduce it to more people, you find a diversity in their motivations. So one of the things that I'm kind of fascinated by is that some people find parkour and they will train parkour um, and they'll go out training every weekend. They'll do their weight training and they'll really, really get into it and they'll be driven by this desire to improve and become better. Mm. But other people will see it as a really cool thing where they go jumping once a week. They see their friends and they have a whole bunch of fun and it's a really healthy, a really great way to stay healthy. Yeah. And it's a and very play-oriented thing yeah. rather than a improvement an outcome yeah. goal-based thing and there's loads of reasons why people can do parkour and there's bits of parkour that can benefit loads of people and also if you cast the net really wide some people your yannicks will appear mm. they might not have found it otherwise because they didn't really think it would be their thing so i wouldn't worry too much about the fact that most people stopped but that's the reason why classes exist because sure parkour started by you go on urban free flow and you go to your local community and you meet up with a random stranger late at night. That's, that's how I started parkour, yeah, but nice. that's not something that's going to be a way in which most people are reached because that's not going to be a story that most people can do. The fanatics, the crazies of us, the ones who make this our lives. Sure. But if we want to show people the benefits of our discipline, we have to dilute it down a little bit so that other people can enjoy it. And then mm. I was actually talking to Scott Jackson about this because if there's if there's a coach who has a really strong record in producing people who are passionate about the discipline and who go on to train really hard, Scott um, at Train Hard is a really good example of someone who has create who has facilitated the creation of many athletes who have gone on to do really cool things. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so he he said fundamentally he leads by example. He works really hard, and then the people around him uh, work really hard because they see him do it and. That's how they. That's how they do this. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It is hard. Um. I mean, now we're getting into uh. The um, the talk of just getting more people into parkour, but I really feel like we should uh backtrack a bit back to yeah, the sorry. parkour stuff. Um. 
although yeah it is a topic for a, another day maybe and i did want to i haven't reached out to or spoken to anyone about this yet but i've done a couple of roundtable discussions on this podcast before and i was thinking of doing a um coaches roundtable and i think you are you were one of the names i think uh <sighs> Caitlin Prontrella as well. Sam Kopak would be cool because he's he's got the the um the podcast. Who else? Uh if you wanted to do Caitlin's not much of a coach these days. Oh, she's not. Uh, uh probably Chris Hollingsworth's the guy from that area who would be the more interesting person. Right, 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 right. Um, yeah, I had a I had a list of a few names somewhere, but um but yeah, yeah, something for a something for another day. And uh people can let me know. Um if that's something they would enjoy as well. And uh, by all means, give some suggestions who you think should be on that round table, but probably best not to have 15 people on there or whatever. Um, <laughs> Our coaches, so, as a general rule, think or we all think we know everything. So yeah, don't put too many of us together. Oh, gosh. Um, yeah, coming back to Parkour Earth, uh, why do federations and governing bodies need to exist anyway? Good question. Um, so, I suppose in an ideal world, they wouldn't have to exist because you would be able to pursue your practice and the way in which it would come about would be through the way you interacted and the more, the closer relationships you had. And so, we, Parkour Earth, would like the way in which parkour gets to decide what it is, is by the community having lots of discussions and communicating by itself and creating things and having the freedom to do that. However, the reality is that the world moves and people make decisions and that can have a drastic effect on our lives. Mm. So uh, the International Gymnastics Federation, FIG, has looked at what we have and decided that it could be really beneficial to them. They could take it they could make it more gymnastics, they could pump money into it, and they could create a discipline that might get them more views at the Olympics, which would make them more money. Mm. By doing this, they would massively change the discipline in a number of ways. For one, the way in which parkour has always developed, which has been basically a mixture of virality and social capital through the posting of videos and content and online arguments, would change and would then become dictated by an organization at the top. So what that would mean is FIG, I mean, I think the, the really good example of this is FIG set a bunch of rules for their competition and that what was created as a result of those rules didn't look like parkour to parkour practitioners. And remember, yeah. you actually held some discussions about that. Mm. So that's the effect things can have. And the reason that international bodies exist is because what something like Parkour Earth is doing is it's trying to act as a blocker to stop others coming in and affecting us. And the only way you can do that is by having your own international body. So it's a little bit like having an army. In an ideal world, no country would have an army because yeah. they kill people. But the reality yeah, is if yeah. you don't have one, then your neighbor's going to come and take out your stuff. Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's... um. It is a bit of a shit show that we found ourselves in, especially uh, with Fig. And I guess that's how Parkour Earth was um, 
it was kind of thrown together um, yeah. because because of this threat that has just come to yeah. usurp our sport um, to save the sinking ship that is gymnastics. <laughs> and yeah, the sad, I mean, the main difference is what it seems like is parkour earth are democratic and fig are essentially a dictatorship that have a lot of experience but also years and years of bureaucratic bullshit and like with the with the rules and code of points with the competition stuff as well aside from what they might want to do in terms of um dominating our industry with certifications which is already happening from what it looks like um it doesn't look like uh, what was i saying it doesn't look like that stuff is um is going to be changing anytime soon like mm -hmm. because of that um bureaucratic bureaucratic bullshit um, that they have to align with. Whereas something like NAPC, they get feedback and they can change it next year or even change it between like regional comps or whatever. Um, they allow for tinkering as they go. Um, and yeah, FIG very much are just trying to reinvent the wheel. And I think part of it comes from trying to make an objective, objectively based um judging criteria mm -hmm. and i know you said um the uh competition formats aren't exactly your forte and haven't been paying attention to it too much but mm -hmm. i think it's fine being subjective like i don't i don't know <laughs> if uh skateboarding in the olympics has um or or skateboarding in any any other competition that they run like x games or whatever i'm sure they're all um subjectively scored as well and like i don't know why it seems like figure trying to reinvent the wheel um yeah i guess it just fits in with their format there's the way this is the way they know how to do things and they're doing that yeah 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 and it just seems like uh trying to fit a square peg into a round hole yeah and i think from from parkour earth's perspective this is I'm jumping the gun a little bit because I know I'm going to get asked this question, is that when it comes to the fairly complex question of competition and parkour, the the real answer is that the community doesn't really know what it wants yet. Yeah. There are a whole bunch of different really interesting things going on with different formats, and a lot of them look nothing like conventional sport. So you've got something that's quite conventional, like Sport Parkour League, Um where you go to a place and you do a competition and there are different styles of competition. But then there's been the the takeover style of competition that's been developing recently where there's you've got to film the challenges. So there's right. the Sheffield takeover, York takeover, yeah. Manchester takeover. There's a few of them so coming these, up. Yeah. yeah. So these things look nothing like anything you've ever seen before, but they're actually probably genuinely parkour. There's things like Chase Tag, which is parkour adjacent, but is full of parkour people. Mm. So there's lots of things going on and they all have value. And so the aim for something like Parkour Earth is to be to watch and to validate those things as being genuinely parkour mm. because they're actually coming from the community and for them therefore to be supported and for the community to decide which ones it wants to invest time in to create something wonderful and which ones it doesn't.
Yeah, but also the the difference as well is none of these emergent competition formats, uh, World Chase Tag included, are declaring to be the be all end all uh, yeah. World Cup of World Championship of parkour that um, that is gunning for the highest uh, acclaimed yeah. thing in sport, which is the Olympics, and then to show that on a platform that shows our sport as. Uh, what looks like just bad gymnastics. And I think um, it does come down to, like you said, the the confusion about what our sport is. I don't think a lot of us, like it, it's, it feels very easy to fit so much of our sport into this gymnastics looking thing and into gymnastics because we don't really know what parkour is. And it's kind of had an identity crisis for the longest time so if we can't even differentiate ourselves from gymnastics then we're a bit stuffed <laughs> it's gonna it's gonna be very difficult to not turn into gymnastics or just poor like bad looking gymnastics in competition yeah. format anyway um it's it's this this idea which is when you start doing the long-term thinking which is not what does parkour look like in five years but what does parkour look like in 50 years it, some of those questions rise because, okay, well, it looks like this now, but what's it going to look like when it's been through the grinder of culture over the course of the next 50, 100 years? Yeah. Can we maintain some of the most interesting parts of this? Because parkour is full of people who looked at conventional sport and looked at conventional society and went, no, I'm not going to behave like that. I'm not going to follow your rules. That's a mm. big part of the reason why many people in par are involved in parkour. And so it's always going to, I think, struggle to conform to any boundaries that get set on it, which is why I think it's special and different. And I want to keep a hold of that for as long as possible. Mm. But it does add some very interesting challenges when you begin asking yourself, well, what does that mean for the international body? Yeah, 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 yeah. Very true. Why are you trying to? kind of accommodate everything but it is very interesting talking about um like an underlying ethos or core values or more commonly used uh throughout parkour's history philosophy um and i don't think anyone can actually pinpoint what the fuck those things are like <laughs> and and that is like and and okay. it gets harder as like as parkour broadens as well which i think is a fantastic thing um and it gets it gets uh harder to do that but there are some underlying commonalities i think and i've been yeah. i won't will not be able to riff on this but i've been trying to pluck away at what those things actually are um but yeah i, don't I know. can help i think i know some of these. Know i think i know a little bit of too this. deep into this and your thoughts so but. No, no, let, let, let me throw you some stuff because I think you'll recognize a lot of the stuff and be able to riff with it. Um, really, the easiest way to think about it and the way I think about it is there's kind of two bits of parkour. Um, one of which is um, we see people solving physical problems using urban architecture and mm. therefore we try and solve physical problems using urban architecture and we challenge ourselves and then we go through a process where we manage those things. And then you can diversify that a whole bunch. And then secondly, people place meaning onto it. And that meaning is a mixture of 
some philosophical ideas that came from the founders, whether or not that was community, whoever communicated communicated it to you first, normally influenced your opinion on this. So for a lot of Brits our age, it was probably Seb and Jump Britain. Uh, for a lot of others, it was David. For a lot of others, it was the Yamakaze. Mm. And whoever influenced you and told you what parkour was, give you some values. And then pretty much everyone takes whatever issues they have in their own society and sort of like paste those things together to create their interpretation of parkour. So um, in America, it became about being really good and doing awesome things. It became thought of as a power sport. It turned into an amazing competitive environment with speed runs and skill challenges because that idea of um, the American dream <laughs> became a part of the story. Hell yeah, brother. Um, yeah. In Scandinavia and in the Nordic countries, it got built into the social democracy. And so when you're up there, you realize that it's deeply embedded within communities, which is the way that the Scandinavian democracies all work. And therefore, mm. it became a place More where- More art to <laughs> Very art to deplacement. But you go, um, favorite random fact for you, parkour was a word in German before parkour existed. Okay. Coming from parkour de combattant, parkour in Germany is linked with a lot of German ideals around community and youth work and bringing people together and developing things. And the parkour are these little obstacle courses that you can find in forests, which have like right. pull-up bars and like little um, wooden things you climb on and jump around. And, and the, two are, the two are linked in terms so, of yeah, the, so the to, community to German thing culture, the- So to German culture, like it was already a thing, which was these little um, parkour uh, optical courses. Yeah. And so when they got the word, sorry, I've just been hit by ridiculous sunlight. One second. <laughs> ah, there we go. Oh, that's even weirder, isn't it? It's cool. It's cool. Uh, so, <laughs> YouTube viewers will have to uh, deal with my um, head. In German, <laughs> like this word already existed and had a meaning. And so when it came along, um, they already linked it to optical courses in their head and therefore it was already sort of part of the society. But yeah, basically everywhere had a different interpretation of it based on their own society and also these ideas. And so wherever you go, people are doing something that's quite similar, but also a little different. Right. Yeah, yeah. That's, um, yeah, that is very interesting. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. We we have veered massively off of the off of the path again. And it's great. It is really great. But I, I do very much. So you need feel to ask like, me questions about Parkour Earth. Hit me. <laughs> I feel like we need to get back on the path of Parkour Earth. What is the ambassador program? Because I've seen yes. um the in the last couple of months or something, it's been uh, it's been growing massively. You've now got Renee Dambly, Max Henry, Mark Bush. Luis Alkmin was one of the one of the first on the roster, and with Luis, you've also got his uh, swapping shoes uh, podcast as well. Well done, yeah. uh, almost as iconic as the corporate takeover of Stora and Motus. But <laughs> <laughs> you've got Ahmed Matar from Palestine, Jesse Peverell, who is an uh, unsuspecting un- character to see among your roster, as I didn't assume him to be bothered at all with politics one bit uh especially parkour politics i was kind of surprised but he's been great like i want to do an absolute shout out that of all the ambassadors we brought in jesse was the one who's been on it who's really been helping us and who's really been engaging um, mm. 
Like they've, they've all been great, actually. But yeah. I, yes. And Sam um, Govindin as well. Sam Govindin yeah. from from France. Another. There's a few more historics, but um, don't worry too much about it. You've hit loads of them because yeah, uh, and it's all down to Lewis. Uh, he's been doing great talking to loads of people. Mm. Um, so this kind of comes back to that question of what is parkour earth and how is it going to talk to people in a way that's actually genuinely about actually like parkour because uh there is no reason why our sport should be split up based on country it doesn't really make sense in some countries there's more than one community with different value systems in some countries the communities overlap between countries uh in some countries it makes a lot of sense to talk on a national scale in some countries it doesn't so what we wanted to do was we wanted to find a way to talk to parkour people that worked for them and so what we wanted to do is we wanted to find people who could become the face of Parkour Earth and who could communicate what Parkour Earth's about because we can't talk to everybody. It's if you even trying to have, so I've had three big Parkour Earth conversations on a mixture of Facebook and Discord over the course of the last couple of weeks and they've been exhausting. Every single one is like a very long conversation and the thing is, I also have lots of work to do surrounding getting cool projects on the go. So the ambassadors are people that you can talk to about Parkour Earth who can tell you what it is, what it means, how it wants to behave and give you information. But also they're people who go out into communities and find out what actually people want. They can find out what is actually important to people. And then what they do is they come back and they tell us what they think of stuff. And in theory... They represent parkour and we are, wherever possible, going to listen to them. So sometimes I just drop them questions and say, hey, what do you think about this thing? And then I get answers because um, we want, wherever possible, to be led by how think, by what are good parkour values. And so the ambassadors represent that idea because the ambassador should look like the parkour scene all over the world. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, you've got a a, a good batch of people there for sure. Yeah, we've yeah. De- we. I think we we're doing quite well with Europe. We're struggling a little bit outside of Europe, but we're working on that. Is it something that people can enrol to yeah. become a part of? So what we say to people is that if they look at the ambassador lineup and they don't see themselves represented in it, they should ask themselves a question. Um, should it be me or should it be someone I know that goes on to that? And they can get in contact with Louise and they can say, hey, I know someone who'd be perfect for your ambassador's team. Or they can just say, hey, I'd be perfect for your ambassador's team. And mm. we can begin chatting to them. And if we think it's a space that's missing, we'll recruit them and bring them in. Okay. And the um, the Parkour Earth badge, um, what's the idea behind that? This is my big project right now. Thank you. Let me talk to you about the Parkour Earth badge. So it comes back to the same basic idea, which is that national membership is not a reliable or interesting way to talk about what the actual parkour community looks like. Uh, It's much more varied than that. And there has been a lot of interest in people saying, hey, I want to align with parkour earth. I want to use parkour earth values. I want to talk about parkour earth, but they're not a national body. It comes everything from specific Discord servers to parkour gyms in countries that don't have national bodies to clothing brands have all signed up so far. 
So right. it has been people who want to, who are genuinely part of the parkour community, who want to fly the flag for parkour earth and say, this is a cause we believe in, but for whom the idea of creating, of affiliating with their local national governing body doesn't feel like a thing that makes much sense to them. Right. And so then they can pop the parkour earth badge on and we ask them to follow some fairly simple rules. So for instance, um, they have to, if they're creating content, they have to agree to not do any disinformation or hate speech, which I think we can all agree as a basis is pretty good. Mm. If they're running competitions, we've got some rules. So we believe in equal prize money. We believe that the rules have to be transparent. So they have to be published. If they're coaching organizations, they feel they should have insurance and qualifications. So fairly simple, basic requests for them with regards to what they do. And then, oh, sorry. And if they're clothing companies, which is probably the one you're interested in, um, we ask them to be transparent about where they get their material from. Right. So it's just about making sure that uh, we put some values into and some requirements into who is within the ba- the badge and we can hold them to some level of standards. Okay. And the idea is lots of people sign up to this. They will s- say, these are values I believe in and I want to represent those values. And it will become a marker where people go, ah, this is this kind of parkour is the kind of parkour I'm interested in. Okay. Sweet, 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 sweet. Um, so, uh, Fig won't be getting that badge. No. As an example of inauthentic parkour practice uh yeah. not aligning with <laughs> yeah so like there are definitely um so there are definitely organizations big and small who wouldn't qualify for the parkour Earth badge that we've kind of already bumped into um for instance uh the red bull art of motion probably wouldn't qualify for the parkour Earth badge not because it isn't genuinely parkour but because it's far enough away from parkour in many ways and because uh, it isn't particularly transparent in the way it behaves, it wouldn't yeah. qualify for this badge. That's not to say it isn't parkour because we don't ever want to be gatekeeping the discipline like that. But it wouldn't fall in. We parkour earth are never going to try and govern the art of motion. That wouldn't make a lot of sense. Yeah. Um. So, like, by doing this, we're starting to kind of map out who we're trying to govern and who we're trying to represent. And the parkour of badge is the simplest way to show an affiliation. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I think that makes sense. Yeah. And I think, yeah, I'm just trying to think about Red Bull. It is certainly, because we've had tight allegiance with Red Bull for, and they've had, um, I'd say, overall positive um engagement with parkour and promotion of parkour in the since the first art motion in vienna 2007 um there, there hasn't really been a brand that has been consistently interested in parkour for that long but yeah. we do have to bear in mind that it is a giant energy they drink are, they are enjoying yeah they're an energy energy drink company that are just enjoying having um us involved to be yeah. another arm of of the cool sports that they're associated with um yeah. and yeah and and it is very obvious that a lot a lot of the red bull emotion events 
they're just corporate flexes yeah. rather than um something that and, is actually to uh yes and the, I, I think don't know, what, what i would not say so much showcase is, the sport yeah like I, I i at no point would i say would i be like they're they're not inauthentic they yeah. are authentically a part of our discipline Oh uh, yeah, and they've actually. I think we have to say that. And actually, I, I had a big long chat with Luis on swapping shoes about this because he's very pro Red Bull. Mm. Um, I would say I am. I am mostly as well. And it is just yeah. that the probably the best example to give, and I've spoken about this before, is there is. I've always been spoken about in Red Bull. The prize money isn't that greatly different than NAPC or any of the other uh, or SPL or any of the other. Um, competitions that have been within our sport no one can come close to touching what fig is offering for first place annoyingly um and that it goes the same with red bull but at the same the, the point i'm making is the one that they had in athens where they were jumping around on the boat um they had a massive helicopter um show before the event and it's like hmm, this is really awesome but Jesus Christ, I wonder how much that cost. And like that money could have gone to the podium. And 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 it's yeah. it's clear that they're spending millions on the event, like mm -hmm. what with the live stream and everything that goes into it. It's very high production. Um but yeah, in terms of uh what the athletes actually get, like I don't know. Um yeah, and that's the that's the thing. They're making a marketing decision because they are a corporation that is behaving in that way, and it's difficult to get angry at them. Um, but at the same time, you should be careful not to worship them for it. You shouldn't. It's the the key there is don't be so grateful that you can't see what's going on, while feel free to enjoy it because it is good. Mm. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Um. Plans for a competition alternative to FIG. Uh, I know, I'm not sure um, if Parkour Earth had much involvement with um, USPK and um, SPL have recently collaborate, yeah. were announced collaborating together. Um, and I think so, they have some regional events leading up to SPL 2 in August as well. Um, yeah. yeah. So we're aware of what's going on and we're doing a little bit of support, but not very much because they have it in hand and there's no reason for us to fly the flag. I mean, USBK and SPL are doing a wonderful job. Uh, it's definitely one of the formats that has a potential. It's probably the, f it's probably going to be the first big international parkour competition that has grassroots development. So it's going to be the first big one. And uh, when it gets to the point when they want to start collaborating with other national governing bodies, Parkour Earth has the ability through its uh, through USPK's affiliation with us to take the USPK SPL competition booklet, say to the other national governing bodies, if you want, you can adopt this and then SPL can work in those countries. So that's the joy of the format that we have. And there are national governing bodies who are interested in that. Right. So what they would what they will do is they'll look at it and then they'll adopt it and then it will be adopted in other countries. 
Nice, nice. That's so good. that's I, yeah. the role that we have. We're not going to tell them what to do. We're going to say, hey, look at this best practice. Let's elevate it and celebrate it. Right. So you consider it a, uh, a step forward. Um, oh, it's huge. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Cool. Some good news. <laughs> oh, you wanted to ask me about why I called it illegal. Right. The yeah, yeah, yeah. With with uh, Fig, what, what do I have here? I have... And this is from this is your quote from um, the um, the Motus article that went up. It has illegally claimed the right. This is concerning Fig. It has illegally claimed the right to govern parkour. The encroachment is in breach of international Olympic Committee's rules. Yet it seems that it is being encouraged by the IOC to do this. So yeah, how is how is it illegal? Okay. So I'm, I'm not a lawyer, like a- so let me do my best to get this right. And if I make mistakes and a lawyer comes on and tells me I'm wrong later, that right. might happen. There is a principle of consent when it comes to the adoption of new sports. And it is a principle that operates within structures like the IOC and within FIG. You cannot adopt a sport without that sport consenting to it. So when snowboarding was absorbed by skiing snowboarding had to vote to to have it be done so um and fig would argue that they approached move more remember move more and got permission and dissolved move more and absorbed them but that's not really a thing that is representative of parkour or was representative of parkour and there should be a way for the international parkour community to object to fake adopting it. And in theory, there are. There's a couple of different courts where one could take a civil action. One of the things that's important for your listeners to understand about this is there's there's basically two kinds of law. There's criminal law. Someone has committed a crime and a police officer will arrest them. And there's civil law. This is where you do something someone else doesn't like and they make a lawyer have you stop. Right. This is all civil. So no one's going to go and arrest the fake national governing body for what they've done. But if we raised hundreds of thousands of pounds and took it to the correct courts and argued our case, there's potential for us to get an injunction in place. Right. However, the sums of money required (laughs) are phenomenal. Yeah. And when the board looked at it and looked at options for financing it, there weren't many ways to do it that fit within ethical frameworks that we were approved of. So the the kind of people who might give us that sort of money are also the kind of people that would potentially have as much of a negative impact on the sport as FIG. Right. And so we don't necessarily want to go and uh, sell ourselves to another bidder or another country in order to have this fight because then we'd we'd then have a different owner, basically. Do you have an example of... um... So I can't tell you who we talked to, right? Makes but what I can tell you is that we we raised the idea with the ambassadors and got a very firm, no, that's not parkour, no, that's not ethical, no, we don't like that. Right. That's a use of the ambassadors. Okay. And the reason, just so you know, the reason we don't, we never talk about who we talked, we never talk publicly about who we talked to because it's within our partnership documents. It means people are willing to talk to us because we don't reveal those conversations. It's one of the few areas where we're not completely transparent. Mm. Okay, sweet, sweet, sweet. And um, on the on the topic of money, 
which is uh i mean the bane of uh most grassroots parkour organizations existence um and that being competitions academies and everything um where do you guys get your funding and uh how can people help out essentially so yes parkour earth is grassroots funded yep. uh so the national governing bodies pay a membership fee so uh parkour uk uspk and all the others each pay a fee to be members and the fee is dependent on the the country's uh net gdp analysis there's a formula that we use don't worry too much about it but basically big european countries and america pay more and um smaller countries pay less okay and then on top of that um we have the supporters initiative so the Port supporters initiative has it's actually doubled our income as an organization <laughs> um because we have very little money and we're now so the supporters initiative the idea there is that if Every single parkour person gave parkour worth one pound a month. We'd have an awful lot of money. And the supporters initiative is specifically is for us to pay parkour creators, photographers, um, and potentially start sponsoring small events. That's we're actually, we're nearly at the point where we want to start sponsoring events with it because it's been doing really well. And we want to, and that money 90% of the money raised gets reinvested directly into the community and 10% is administrative fees and costs and such things. But all the money that comes in, we spend it on the community. So Sweet. a huge part of our funding is going to be um, raised by the community. So if they want to give money to us, they go to patreon.com slash parkour earth or they go to the website parkour.earth and click on support parkour earth and they give us small bits of money. And we use that money and we spend that money on the community. So your money goes towards parkour photographers. It goes towards creating blogs and interesting reels and different bits of content. Speaking of, um, we actually have quite a lot of, we have what's called the creator call out. So I'm actually more interested right now in recruiting parkour people who are creators, who are interested in doing little bits of work for us. So if there's anyone out there who is, a good content creator who has a portfolio and is interested in small bits of one-off work, please get in contact. Either uh, just email me hedge at parkour.earth or just go to the website and there's a button. And um, we want to give you money because Parkour Earth right now is trying to invest money into the community. Nice. Um, and what, what kind of... Uh, sorry, there are two pigeons shagging outside my window. You do encourage guys at your place. Yeah, well, I'm, not, I'm not birds. I prefer seagulls, but the, yeah, these pigeons have been a bit frisky all afternoon. Jesus Christ. Um, what kind of content are you looking to create? Because I know um, the UK's national governing body, Parkour UK, has suddenly had a huge uptick um, yeah. recently and kind of uh, people know they exist now because they've hired Callan Lavington and Lynn Young to kind of... Yeah. Um, represent the parkour community is it that kind of deal no so the way that uh Callan and lynn work is they've been hired to create content which is a really right. good model but it's not one that uh parkour is at yet so parkour uk have um funding from sport england 
yeah, in order this, to begin yeah. doing a whole bunch of work. And so as part of that, they've been able to hire people. Mm. Um, what Parkour Earth wants to do is it wants to find lots of different people and give them one-off projects. So for instance, um, there's a Serbian, Serbian content creator uh, called Costa who's got a channel called About Parkour. I've yeah, just been yeah, yeah, he's brilliant. Create, yeah, I've just been working with him to create a reel uh, just about engaging with Parkour Earth and how you can do it. And he's done an amazing job. And that'll be going up on the website soon. But uh, we're looking for people who can create content that will be consumed, whether or not that's reels, whether or not that's blogs. So I'm working with a guy from uh, Indonesia who's writing a blog about the parkour passport. Right. So it's a blog advising people how to get in contact with local communities if you're traveling to different countries. So you can find somewhere yeah. to so someone's floor to stay on and yeah. lo- meet local communities. So we're looking to create content that is viable mm. to the community and we're looking for people who to create a whole bunch of stuff. We've got a whole mm. bunch of ideas. If you have more ideas, come bother us. And we're going to give people a small amount of money to do those things because that way we can reinvest in the community. As for uh, the writing stuff, um, Jake Chapman, I think, is out of a job right now. He's he's the guy that used to uh, write for the Motors Projects. So, sorry, Jake. Whose fault is um, that? <laughs> <laughs> but um, uh, but his his uh, his blog posts were really good. Uh, they, they he was were, probably yeah. the guy that um, did the interview with you. Um, he is, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, he he reached out uh, asking Star if if he can if he can write for us as well. But I forgot to get back to him. Sorry, Jake, if you're listening to this. Um, but yeah, on the topic of uh, Sport England and Parkour UK, I know they're they're national governing bodies. How does funding? Is there no one providing funding for international governing bodies? Like where do to fig? get their f- anything from what is it G- oh, I can't remember the GSAF or whatever it's called or or Gainsif. Are they- hmm? Gain G A I N S F Gainsif. Yeah, yeah. Is is that something that provide funding? So how does it work? Um the local gymnastics organizations pay a certain amount of money to be affiliated with the national governing bodies. And then the national governing bodies organize competitions and people pay to enter those competitions. Mm. The national governing bodies have a membership fee of the international governing body. So they pay a huge block fee to the international governing body to organize international competitions. And then they pay to enter international competitions. On top of that, sponsorship and licensing exists so uh if you watch international the world gymnastics or whatever they will have lots of brands who pay to advertise and they will have um lucrative contracts with uh different broadcasters and that will all bring in money so um and then on top of that membership of the ioc the IOC gets sponsored for the Olympics and some of that money gets put into these organizations in order to build them up. Right. And that's based on viewing figures. So the more views you get and the more participation you get, the more money you get. And also I believe there seems to be something to do with um, 
penalties if your sport isn't diverse enough and gymnastics has a problem with diversity regarding the fact that there are far more women than men yeah 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 which is another reason why a lot of people think that gymnastics may have had an interest in parkour Mm. because we have the opposite problem yeah yeah (laughs) so all of those ways are fun are how big organizations get funded we want to take a different approach because and you see it with parkour uk to some extent because they're affiliated with because they get money from Sport England, Parkour UK has to behave in a way that is in line with what Sport England wants. So you see uh, the conti- the continuing alignment with Simspa is a big part of what Parkour UK is up to right now. That's Those the... Things are, um, they do certification for management of sport and phys- uh, physical activity. It's... Okay. So aligning with what the government wants you to align with and and meeting the interests of the person who gives you money so whoever gives you money is the person you've got to do the thing for if parkour earth can sustain itself as an organization that is funded by parkour people it can serve parkour people and then if that's its main funding model it will work really well we're also going to look into sponsorship it's one of my big goals the rest of the year i've been putting together some stuff so i think it's possible that we'll approach brands who may be interested in aligning with us and say, hey, can you give us a thousand pounds and we will put your name all over our stuff for a year. So do stuff like that to fund us. And we would use that funding to move people like me who are volunteers who are spending all of their time doing stuff for free into part-time positions, maybe moving into full-time positions so we can do more of this work and try and solve some of the bigger problems because there's lots of stuff that I think that needs to be discussed on an international perspective and not just left to the free market Mm. Uh, and if it gets left to the free market i think what happens is we lose some of the authenticity because as a general rule if you sell out you make more money so you can be louder we want to be in a position where things that are more authentic work and sometimes it works i mean star i think is a really great example of something that is both commercially successful but is very authentic yeah I mean, it's it's um, the never-ending struggle. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I think you've you've just made my point for me, which is it's not easy, and it would be a damn sight easier if we didn't have to worry about um, organizations attacking us, and that's why. Mm. Or and we could have these discussions in place. We could have formats to have these discussions. So. Like I know it's something that a lot of people are sick of, but there are many countries who still have no interest whatsoever in competitions. Yeah, and so when so Finland's probably one of the prime examples. Mm. Um, they don't really do that. There's been a couple of small local ones there, but it's not part of the practice. Uh, Germany, uh, mo- I think most German practitioners wouldn't either. There are some who do, but there mm. are countries for whom it's not really a big deal, and. We need to make sure that they have the opportunity to make that decision for themselves, yeah, and not be forced into it by global events in other places. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, uh, the point I've made before is that Fig are essentially putting us on the back foot in terms of um, any, uh, whether it's an anti-competition stance or just a kind of fence sitter um position uh about competition um they're kind of forcing our hand to um try to provide something that is an alternative right yeah um 
and yeah so the the fence sitter or the anti-competition person can't just stand idly by and and this is uh what um i've been called out for being um wrong with or inaccurate with in the the podcast i did with max and benj on fig and park or earth where i was just like shutting down shutting down and just like shitting on everyone at the same time and saying that everyone all the board members of parkour are for anti-competition and are, are just thwarting progress God, i wish they were i <laughs> know <laughs> <laughs> oh, let, let's 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 unpack that a little bit because a few things there um so there is a legitimate critique of parkour earth which is that it has not action to this point particularly strongly and if you ask the people in parkour earth why what they want is to give the community time to make this decision because yeah. honestly like it's quite difficult to know what people really want and so their approach is well let's let's just support what's going on but not take the lead on it now it seems a few years have passed, Parkour Earth is kind of changing gear in a response to what it sees as a change in the approach of the parkour community, which is that there is a growing set of people and a large subsection of the community who is behind the further development of some of these styles of parkour. And so Parkour Earth is changing in response to the community's preferences <laughs> and part of its operations Excuse me. moving forward is going to be working on how to develop competition. So there's been a formation of a competition committee made up of some people who are interested in it. For me, the important thing about that is that we empower people who are passionate about competition. We don't force people who are uninterested in competition to do it. So what we've been trying to do is gather together people who are passionate about this topic and let them set the agenda on how this is going to move forward. Not old heads like me who couldn't give a toss because right. we are the wrong people to do it. So you could argue that Parkour has been doing a really bad job of this by not actioning on it. And they they feel like it wasn't time and now is time and therefore they're doing it. But people are free to disagree with that approach if they want to and say we should have done things earlier. I think if the how I'd push back to that is... Um, it is, it is quite difficult to get people to talk to Parkour Earth and to action things and do work for free. And so a lot of the people who throw these critiques around, my response to them would be, well, put up or shut up. If you want to get this done, get in contact with me and start talking to me about how you can help us and come and do some of the work that is required to make these things a reality. And I will put you in contact with the people who are starting to do this work. And if you can help and if you can move this forward, we'll get it done. Right. I'm all out of questions. I think that was that covers quite a lot. Uh, any, cool. any, uh, not closing statements. That sounds really formal. Anything <laughs> else you want to say? <laughs> I can, I, can I do my plugs? So um, yep. we want to engage more people with Parkour Earth. 
And the way we want to engage more people with Parkour Earth is whoever you are from whatever background you are, there's probably a way to engage with us. So if you feel like the only thing you can do is chuck us one pound a month, uh, please go to patreon.com slash Parkour Earth and throw us some money. If you want to get involved in more than that and you want to get involved in discussions, uh, follow us on Instagram, uh, go to the Discord, uh, get involved in all the places we talk to people and come and talk to us and tell us what you are good at and we will no doubt want to put you to work. If you want to do more than that, if you want to get more formally involved, uh, if you want to become one of our ambassadors because you don't see yourself represented in our ambassador lineup, come and tell us and we'll start a process of finding an ambassador that represents you or bringing you on. And if you want to support us more, either with money or time or you want to volunteer, come and help. This is really hard and there's not that many people actively putting in the work and we would really love to get more people involved in making this thing a reality. Sweet, sweet, sweet. Well, I don't see um, a big YouTube star influencer podcast owners represented on your ambassador lineup. So um, I'll throw my hat into the ring. Uh, sweet. No, please I think... will be in touch. <laughs> <laughs> no, please. Um, yeah, get in touch, people, if, uh, if uh, that sounds like it's up your alley. Um, cool. Yeah, sweet. Thank you, everyone, Cheers. for listening once again. And uh, I will uh, I will chuck everything that you've just mentioned in the description for anyone who wants to check that out. Um, right. Sweet. Thanks, guys. Great.